Please remain behind the yellow stripes until your test vehicle comes to a complete stop. Watch your step as you enter the vehicle. The show starts in just a few minutes. Step right over here and get your tickets. Progress is dreaming and working and building a better way of life. Progress is a commitment to people, a commitment to making today and tomorrow the best time of your life. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's a W. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 162 for the week of March 21st, 2010. I'll open up the inbox and answer more of your listener emails this week on topics such as Walt Disney and the Olympics, date night in Walt Disney World without the kids, Hidden Tributes in the Parks, The Utilidors, Port Orleans, Unused Passes, In-Room Dining, and much more. Walt Disney World is all about making dreams come true and special moments that remain timeless. And During our visits, parents and grandparents, husbands and wives, and nervous young men about to propose look for ways to make vacation experiences or even individual moments even more magical. And you may not know this, but there's a team of people behind the scenes at Walt Disney World whose job it is to do just that, to help create those special memories with some very unique gifts and experiences. And we'll meet and talk to one of those people on this week's show. I'll have some special announcements at the end of the show before playing more of your voicemails, so sit back Relax and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. It's time once again to answer your listener email. And as you know, I've invited you since the very beginning to write in and ask questions about anything from Walt Disney World vacation planning to history to trivia, just about anything else. And we have so many great questions to get to. Unfortunately, there's just not enough time in the week to get through all of them. Insert easy joke about the length of the show here. So I want to dive right in and get to answering as many of your emails as possible. So joining me once again to help out is someone who knows a thing or two about vacation planning, and that's Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. So, Becky, welcome back. Hi, Lou. Great to be back once again. 
So, you know, you know a lot about vacation planning, but you know, I'm trying to indoctrinate you into the wonderful world of fine Disney cuisine, really one meal at a time. I noticed. I noticed. I I see that we have um, a possible pizza date coming up, and then there's a random burger thing that's happening at Pico's Bills. (laughs) Third pound Angus burger with the fixin' bar. (laughs) I might actually... Give up the Queen Victoria room to go to Pecos Bill. Wow. <laughs> well, that would make you a much more um, reasonable expense uh, date. <laughs> well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make a deal with you. I'll buy at Pecos Bills. You buy it at Victoria and Albert's. For some reason, that just doesn't seem exactly fair. You're but getting a in, third uh, of sure. a pound of Angus, <laughs> pure Angus beef at Pecos Bill. I, I'm sure we can work something out, Lou. And listen, I'm Victoria sure and Albert's does not have a fixin's bar. So, <laughs> but they do have a cool coffee press. They do. They do. Yeah. You talk about you, that's the place to have the four, five, six hour experience at the Fixins Bar. No, at Victorian <laughs> Alberts. But listen, we're off track right away. And and we, Becky, we do. We have. I have. I feel so bad because I have so many emails to get to, and I try and get to the timely ones as quickly as possible. And speaking Alrighty. of timely ones, the first question is actually quite timely. Because it says, hey, Lou, I have a random question for you. Since you are the guru of all things Disney, Carrie, I think not. But anyway, let's move on. I wanted to ask you if you could tell me a little bit more about the opening and closing ceremonies for the 1960 Squaw Valley Olympics that were apparently were orchestrated by Walt Disney. I just found out this little tidbit, and I'm so interested to know the details of it. Like, who approached who to do it? What technologies did he use that he was developing for Disneyland as well as the World's Fair that he may have utilized? It's so interesting to me that he played such a large role in the Olympics. Thanks for all you do. You're such an inspiration. Keep moving forward, says Carrie Wing or Winge. Carrie, I butchered your last name. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But Becky, this is timely. Obviously, we are right in the midst of the Olympic Winter Games. So this is a great question. And Carrie... Good job for knowing about Walt Disney's involvement back in... Becky, I'm sure you remember the 1960 Squaw Valley Olympics very well. Oh, that was way, way, way before my time, Lou. You were sitting around the radio with, with you know... Oh, jeez. <laughs> I wasn't even born yet. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, this, um, this past week, February 18th, marked the 50th anniversary of the opening ceremonies of the Winter Games in Squaw Valley. And you're right. It was planned and designed in large part by Walt Disney and his team. And he, Disney really set the standards for future games because of Walt did. So let's go back real quick. 1955, coincidentally, when Disneyland opens, they're really rushing around trying to get things done. And Walt Disney didn't approach them. The person who led the organizing committee, whose name was Prentice Cobb Hale Jr., he approached Walt and wanted him to take care of the pageantry and the ceremonies and everything else to really entertain the athletes as well as the guests, because nobody was doing entertainment better than Walt Disney. And for Walt, certainly this is a chance for him to not only showcase the talents of he and his team, but oh, by the way, Disneyland just happens to be opening. Um, the world's fair is coming. There's lots of, uh, of good stuff going on. So at one point, There was a a little bit of a conflict because Disney had very, very elaborate plans and the Olympic officials said, well, no, no, you're not going to be able to do it this way. You can't spend this much. Disney basically said, 
And and um, and Prentice Hale said, we're going to do it the right way or Disney's going to pull out. So certainly they got the uh, endorsement that they needed. Walt Disney, in his infinite wisdom, again, brings on people who are the very best at what they do. People like Imagineer John Hench. Believe it or not, Art Linkletter was the operations really? manager. Huh. See that? little? You learn a little bit of something here in the first five minutes of the show. Absolutely. <laughs> and actually, John Hench worked on the redesign of the Olympic torch. And you can see that torch, the original 1960 torch, on display at the Walt Disney Family Museum over at the Presidio in San Francisco, which just opened late last year. Ooh, research trip. Oh, without a doubt. Please. <laughs> so there's so very much going to be the WDW Radio pilgrimage to the Presidio. That's what we're going to call it, the pilgrimage Ooh, to the Presidio. Nice. <laughs> somebody somebody get that. Pilgrimage to the Presidio.com. Com. Got it. So, uh, <laughs> Go yeah, and Walt brings in other things that are still in use as well. The concept of the 30 steel poles for the flags of all nations that were participating. Uh, each flagpole came with a plaque from Walt that thanked all the sponsors for their contributions. They, they were very expensive at the time, five to six hundred dollars for, for each one of those. Um, but again, there's uh, we could go on. We could really do a whole segment about this. Um, he really started off as the producer of the show. It grew so much beyond there and really sort of took over the operations of the entertainment aspect of it. Um, really, I think Becky sets the bar for Olympics that are to follow. Again, there's so much more to this story. If anybody has or if you are planning on going over to the Walt Disney Family Museum, you'll see not only the torch, but you'll see the pennants and the posters and Olympic pins predecessor to the Disney pin trading stuff and really get a better idea of Walt's involvement. But Carrie, that, that is a great, great question. And, uh, and bravo for knowing the connection between Walt and the Olympic games. Wow. Absolutely. I had no idea. This is, I, I learned something today. <laughs> All right, we're done. We're done here. <laughs> my, my job is over. So goodbye. <laughs> All right, so let's move move forward, as Walt and we all like to do, and move on to our next question. This says, Lou, love the show. My family always laughs at me because we plan our trips. I'm always saying, well, Lou says. <laughs> yeah, I, my family would be laughing at me, too. Anyway, my husband, six-month-old baby boy, dad, mom, and younger brother will be staying in a two-bedroom villa at Saratoga Springs later this year. It will be our little boy's first trip. Editorial aside, love the fact that you're taking your six-month-old to Walt Disney World. Start them early, I say. Anyway, <laughs> my parents have agreed to babysit our son one night. Kudos nice. to you and mom and dad, so that my husband and I can have a date night. Love that. On our date night, we want to do something we've never done before. We have a moderate budget for the night, so here are the ideas I had. Would love to get your input on these ideas and any other you can think of. So, Becky, she gives us three possible scenarios here they okay. are. Number one, Boma for dinner. Yum. Watching the animals. I've even heard you can get night vision goggles mm -hmm. and possibly drinks in the lounge that overlooks Boma and Jiko. Hold okay. your comments. Number two, dinner at La Cellier or Spoodles slash now Cuisina, then heading over to the Dueling Pianos Bar at the Boardwalk. Hmm. Very different. Okay. Number three. California Grill. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Although we couldn't afford a full dinner there, we could order first a few courses and then maybe a dessert to share and then fireworks on the observation deck. 
Which of these idea would be the best date night? And do you have any other possibilities? Thanks in advance for your answer. And that comes from Kristen in Marietta, Georgia. I love this question. I love this question. So you've got, so here's basically what you've got. You've got Bulma and then a casual night of drinks and animals in, uh, in Disney's animal kingdom dinner at La Cellier or Cuisina, then a uh, little bit more of a of an active wild night over the Dueling Pianos Bar, over Jelly Rolls at the Boardwalk, or number three, appetizers and dessert and fireworks over at California Grill. Wow. <laughs> all of them? I'll take all of them for 200, Alex. Um, <laughs> well, it seems like idea number one, I, I think that was Boma was the first one. Right. Um, that one, of course, seems a little bit more quiet and romantic and, um, you know, not not as lively as the other two's, two might be. Um, the, the dinner at La Cellier. Uh, and of course, the dueling panels bar at the boardwalk. You've got a lot of experience being over there, I, I do believe. But that's a much more um, active, lively date that you can experience, I think. But, you know, I'm sorry, my heart goes right to that California grill with the romance of the, the fireworks on the observation deck and, um, you know, a little bit of the, uh, the, just the romantic view and, uh, and uh, the sharing of a dessert. I, I kind of like number three personally. So I made you go first so I could think about this one. <laughs> um, and, and I don't know where I'm getting a reputation for being a Jelly Rolls fanatic, but that's that's another conversation for another day. So, look, I, I love one and it's very uh, nice. and It's very mm-hmm. quiet and, and romantic. Um, number two, like you said, much different kind of evening, how you want right. to spend it. And number three, of course, you know, nothing beats a view of wishes and the firework. But I'm going to maybe give you you ask for other possibilities. I'm going to tweak this a little bit for you. Okay. I like the idea of number two, um, not at La Cellier, but at Cuisina, which was the, 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 the home of the, the former location of Spoodles. You have a nice dinner at Cuisina because you really can then sort of have a combination of that quiet, romantic date night. You can walk around the promenade of the lagoon of Crescent Lake there, go mm-hmm. all the way around to the to the beach area over by the yacht and beach club you can even go to the marina maybe even take a boat ride if you want to have a a quiet casual drink somewhere first if you want maybe go to the bellevue lounge at the boardwalk then end the night off you know with a little bit of singing a little adult beverage or or seven at jelly rolls (laughs) okay well what if they start out their evening at California Grill. They have their wonderful appetizers and dessert to share, so they have that together time. They watch Wishes. Then they go over to the Dueling Pianos Bar and walk around the boardwalk. What if you even confuse them even more by saying, (laughs) if you want to see Wishes, forget the California Grill. Instead, go over to someplace like Citrico's or Narcoose's then go out and watch them from the shores of the Seven Seas Lagoon at the Grand Floridian. And how wow. You- nice idea. <laughs> e- either way, I think they're going to have a wonderful romantic date night together, anything that they do at Disney World, because, of course, it's, it's going to be um, something that's different than what they can get at home, viewing any of the fireworks at Wishes or over at Illuminations, um, you know, spending time on the boardwalk. I, I think she's got some really good ideas here. And Kristen, I can I can totally understand your situation because when you have young kids, 
and finally somebody like mom or dad is willing to watch them, you're sitting there like, well, well, now what do we do? You're not used to, you don't know what to do when you don't have the kids. The same thing happened to us on the Disney cruise last year. My kids, for some reason, didn't want to leave the kids club for dinner and afterwards. And my wife and I stood on deck and we stared at each other like, well, well what do we do now? <laughs> we weren't used to, weren't expecting to not have the kids. But, but I think you're right, Kristen. Any one of those ideas or any sort of combination of those will definitely afford you guys a wonderful, wonderful evening together. Oh, yeah. So enjoy your date night. Next question comes from Johnny C, who says, hey, Lou, I have a question about Frank Wells, Disney executive and mountain climber who passed away in a helicopter crash a number of years ago. I was wondering if there are any tributes to him in the parks or the resorts, especially at Expedition Everest, since he was such an avid mountain climber and died before he could conquer his peak. Thanks for a great podcast and magazine, Johnny C. Johnny, I, have a, I was going to say, I just have a feeling I'm going to learn something new again on this one. <laughs> Can you see me smiling? Because I love these questions. I love the fact that you're expecting and looking for those kind of details. And again, oh, we yeah. could spend so much time in this. Quick background. Frank Wells was president and CEO. He was working alongside Michael Eisner. Now, there are many actual tributes to Frank Wells. The first and foremost one is a window on Main Street, USA, that reads Seven Summits Expeditions, Frank G. Wells, President. Now, like you said, Frank Wells was an avid mountain climber. His book, I believe, is called Seven Summits. Appropriately so, his window, Becky, is higher than any other window on Main Street. It's on the right-hand side as you're approaching the castle. Check your audio guide to Main Street, USA. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, like you said, too, uh, unfortunately, Frank Wells passed away in 1994 uh, due to a helicopter crash. Um, And so it's appropriate that some of these tributes to him would be someplace like Expedition Everest, the one mountain he unfortunately was unable to conquer. But if you go on the walkway uh, through Asia, not coming from the Dino Land side, to Expedition Everest. And when you're uh, by the tea cart and we sort of hit that fork in the road, to the left is, is the uh, Cali River Rapids, to the right will take you to Expedition Everest. There's a signpost there. And I want you to, instead of me telling you, I want you to go and find and read the sign. That definitely is a tribute to Frank Wells. And as long as we're there, Disneyland also has a tribute to Frank Wells, Becky, where would that tribute appropriately be? Well, it has to be the Matterhorn. You read my notes. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll find skiing expedition boxes there that say Wells Expedition on it. So, um, again, Johnny, I love that question because there are so, so many of these tributes, not only people like Frank Wells, but other Imagineers and artists and people from the company all over, not just on places like Main Street. See, and I love questions like this because it really calls out the fact that so much detail is right in plain sight, but so many people are just running to all of the the attractions that you sometimes miss this type of of, uh, information, which, you know, I I love this type of detail. It's great. So when you say people running to attractions, you're really talking about yourself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just so we're clear. I just want to be clear. Sometimes you just miss all of the, you know, the little details. And and this reminds me that sometimes it's really good to slow down and uh, and pay attention. And I am a firm believer in that. I've preached that for a long time, that it's not about running from attraction to attraction and getting to the show and getting here and making your ADR. It's about slowing down and taking the time 
and seeing the incredible details that the Imaginers leave behind. I will get off my soapbox now. Somebody hand me me a step stool. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. Okay. (laughs) All right. Next question says, hey, Lou, it's Kevin from Rhode Island, Passerino 6 on the forums. Had a random thought the other day and wondered if you could share any insight. We all know about the Utilidors under the Magic Kingdom, which prevent us from seeing cowboys in Tomorrowland. But do you have any idea why they didn't build similar structures under Epcot, Hollywood Studios, or Disney's Animal Kingdom? I've never heard of of there being any Utilidors in any of the other parks, so I assume there simply aren't any. Got any thoughts? Maybe they weren't needed. As always, you're amazing, and truly add that special Disney magic to my normally unmagical day. Thanks so much, Kevin. Your check is in the mail. <laughs> okay, so Becky, even uh-huh. you, who is racing her way to Dumbo first thing in the morning, know about the Utilidors. Uh, oh, yeah. Which technically are not underground. They're really the first level, and the Magic right. Kingdom is really the second level built on top of it. It's a, They are backstage areas that allow cast members to not only get from land to land because Walt Disney didn't want to see, like you said, Kevin, a cowboy in Tomorrowland. And they also handle many of the day-to-day operations and many of the internal network of it. So there's trash removal down there. There's costuming. There's lockers. There's lots of secret, cool cast member things out there, which you can actually see on the Backstage Magic Tour. However, let's move forward. Other lands, other theme parks in Walt Disney World, Kevin says there aren't any. Well, believe it or not, that's kind of true. Um, Epcot, let's take them in order. Epcot really didn't need Utilidors because when they planned Epcot, they planned it very, very well. And certainly they had, as Walt said, the blessing of size. So instead of having to go underneath Epcot, what they did was build a road that loops around the backstage areas of Epcot. Becky, tell me the name of the road that goes behind wow. World Showcase for $1,000. For, for dinner. Wait, wait no, minute, no Google, Googling. No Googling. Google. <laughs> Come on. For dinner at the Queen Victoria Room, five, four, three, two. And I would have, I have even gotten to the wine pairing. I honestly have no idea. I've Aven- been on that road so many times and I have no idea. Avenue of the Stars. <sighs> All right. I'm writing it down. All right, so basically that obviates the need to have to cross the park because they're able to go behind it. The only problem is right in the center where you've got Spaceship Earth, Interventions, Mouse Gear. So there is a very small, not even really a Utilidor system under that central area of Future World between Spaceship Earth and Interventions. There's some storage, uh, things like that, not really the same type of system that you'll find uh, under the Magic Kingdom. Right, so, they're not, those spaces aren't interconnected at all from what I understand, right? Correct. And the other thing too is you don't need it in Epcot and here's why, because you're not going to have that cowboy in Tomorrowland. If you see somebody who's in a future world costume, uh, a cast member in a future world costume is perfectly appropriate whether he's in, he or she is in front of Mission Space or he or she is in front of the fountain or mouse gear. So it's okay to see a cast member outside their particular attraction. Got it. <laughs> I'm still just shaking my head over losing a thousand bucks. I'm sorry. A thousand bucks and dinner Dang. and the car. You, you lost Make the car worse. too. You lost Jeez. the car. All right. Over at the studios. Um, this is the most interesting one, I think, because 
they don't need to have a backstage area because there's really nothing to hide because remember you are on a working movie lot. So anybody you see walking around, whether it's a streetmosphere character, whether you see Muggsy, whether you see a cast member from Voyage of the Little Mermaid or uh, um, Lights, Motors, Action walking around, it's appropriate because you are on a backstage lot and that's what you would see if you went to a real working studio walking around backstage. Right. Over in Animal Kingdom, very much like Epcot. They, they, the master planners that laid this out, brilliant in their design because most of the attractions and whatnot are sort of located on the perimeter, on the outside. So you were able to have that road and that those backstage areas that run around the perimeter of the entire park that gives them access to all the entry points on the way in as opposed to having to cross necessarily uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom. Again, here too, a lot of the cast members have very similar costumes. They have that safari-type garb. So if you if you saw one walking around, it wouldn't seem as out of place as if you saw the futuristic Tomorrowland guy in Fantasyland. Okay, I have to go back really fast. <laughs> Why do they call it Avenue of the Stars? I can't answer that on, on the air. <laughs> Simply because I don't know. Oh. <laughs> okay, just that there's something to check for later. As you know, as it's going through my head, going, you know, why would they call that Avenue of the Stars? Uh, there's a really long story. It's just it's just way too long to tell it here, <laughs> which means it gives me time to do the research. Perfect. All right. Again, hope you learned something there on that one, uh, Kevin. Great, great question. Um, and I and we'll talk about this on another show. So highly recommend some of the backstage tours, backstage yeah. magic, keys to the kingdom, undiscover future world. Um, Super, super, super um, backstage tours if you're interested in that kind of stuff. All right, moving on. The next question comes from Cindy K in Michigan who says, Lou, love, 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 three loves there, Becky, your show. I found you on iTunes about a year ago and found myself needing to take notes. Wow. I began listening to the older episodes and taking notes on those as well. I wish you could just sell the DSIs and things like the interviews with Imagineers. I love the backstory and details. After hearing your enthusiasm, I joined D23. Welcome to the family. Love it so far. But she says she loves Celebration even more. Oh, nice. Really nice. (laughs) (laughs) Can't tell you how green I was when I heard you were moving to Florida. Lucky you. Congrats. Yeah, I know the feeling. Yes, she's in Michigan. So I'm sure after this past winter, she's really feeling a little green with envy. (laughs) Anyhow, she says, my family and I have stayed on property at all of the moderates except Fort Wilderness and have also stayed at the family suite at the All-Star. Nice rooms, by the way. This winter, we're going again and bringing my niece and my mom. All-Star is not an option, as we can't handle fold-out sleepers, and there's only one real bed. We were thinking about a cabin at Fort Wilderness, if the Murphy bed is more comfortable than a sleeper sofa. I've read the online reviews and gotten conflicting opinions. Have you had any personal experience with them? I heard they did a recent upgrade. Did this include the bed's And is the resort quieter than, say, the other mods? Let's take these first. Becky, uh, have you slept in any of the Fort Wilderness cabins recently? Well, it's it's actually been a year since I stayed in the cabins out there. So I don't have any personal experience with um, any upgrade that they may have done. I'm not sure about you. But when I did stay there before, the Murphy bed was more comfy than a typical sofa bed. Um, at least the mattress was was thicker. It was a little bit more comfortable to sleep on. Um, probably around the 
you know, typical double bed comfort for me, um, I, w- I would be comfortable in it personally. Now, I haven't stayed in one of the cabins since I was a kid, so I really can't speak to it very well. I would certainly invite listeners to come on and comment about it in the forums or on Facebook uh, about it. As far as the resort being quieter than some of the other moderates, I would probably say yes. Um, I think Fort Wilderness, that's one of the the things, the benefits that are for you. Yeah, I, I agree. I like the area out there. Plus, in, in the cabins, you're not sharing common walls and you don't have connecting doors to other rooms. So uh, right there, it's going to be a little bit more quiet in the area to begin with. Yeah, And I think just as a general rule of thumb, I think a, a, a Murphy bed is probably more comfortable than a sleeper sofa where you got that yeah. sort of bar in the middle and things like that. So, Right. And that's kind of how I felt. Again, not sure what they've done with the upgrading yet. I do. I have heard that some of the cabins have been upgraded, but... I think it's going to be between a standard uh, bed in the hotel and, of course, the sleeper sofa is going to kind of be in the middle somewhere. I sense a research trip and a segment on Fort Wilderness in my very near future. Works Cindy, for me. Cindy has a separate question. My son and I thought it would be fun to switch resorts during our stay. Six nights total. Becky, get your pen and paper. Math. Two, two nights at Pop, two nights at Port Orleans, and two nights at the Polynesian. I love this. He calls it the 3 PO. <laughs> 3PO, Pop, Port Orleans, and Polynesian. Oh, nice. <laughs> Anyhow, one problem. How do you get Disney to recognize that this is one trip, thus one park hopper and dining plan for the three resorts? Help. I don't have money to buy new base tickets for each resort in order to qualify for the dining plan. In fact, we have some old unused passes that we still need to use at some point. Appreciate your thoughts. Thanks, Cindy K. in very cold Michigan. Wow. <laughs> I need a little bit more caffeine to actually properly <laughs> answer this one because there, there are all kinds of options and some math. And, of course, I need to get out the Excel spreadsheet to kind of work through pricing here. But, unfortunately, Disney won't see different stays at different resorts as one reservation. So... Off the top of my head, not having done the math yet, the best, least expensive option might be to get the three separate packages, even though you have to pay the premium for the tickets, if you're looking for the dining. Right? Yeah. I I was looking at it, too, trying to figure out what way might work best. Um, Yeah. She wants to get the dining plan, so annual passes out the window. Right. Um, The unused passes she still needs to use. She might be able to get a credit for those unused passes. Yeah. well, part of me is thinking you might want to ditch the dining plan. I, I hate to say that because it is a really good deal for a, a lot of folks. But this way, you go into your first resort, you get the park hoppers that you want. The second resort, you book a room only using the tickets, the unused passes that you haven't used. And then, of course, just pay cash on your dining. After, of course, that first one that you had park hoppers to, you could add the dining plan to. So you could have the dining plan for at least the first two nights. Well, two, depending on how often they go, and maybe here's your excuse to go again, what if she was to buy annual passes, use right. the discounts from the annual pass on all three of the resorts, take that money that she saved, and justify the annual pass and use that for dining? Yeah, that also beautifully works into the scenario. I This is actually a really good 
um, like an SAT question of throwing it together in a spreadsheet to see really how it would work out best. SAT, and then, this is like a bar exam question. Yeah. <laughs> it, it has a lot of options that are available to it. And you. I guess you'd also have to do the math depending on what offers are going on at the time as well because um, you know, you throw this into a, a time period where there's you know a, a free dining opportunity, then some of your savings kind of goes out of the calculation. So, right. um, hey, I have an idea, Cindy. Call a vacation planner that specializes in Disney, like us, and we'll help you work out the math. You must feel so dirty after the show. But <laughs> the bottom line for anybody else really is this, and, and if tell me if I'm wrong, if you switch resorts during a single stay they cannot be combined to be sort of considered a single trip. They are separate reservations, correct? Correct. Okay. Because I've had this question many times before. People want to switch resorts, you know, because they're maybe going on a cruise. They want to do something special one night here, other nights at a, at a value resort, you know, a special night at a deluxe, but they have to make separate reservations. That's correct. As, as far as I understand it, and, and the rules have been that way since uh, for, for a while now, but yeah, you've, each individual resort has to have a separate reservation, from what I understand. But the nice thing is, Disney will move your luggage for you. Absolutely. Keep that in mind as well. <laughs> so. All right. Next question is from Stephanie Bullock, who says, Hey, Lou, I recently came across your podcast while browse- browsing the internet, and I love it. My family and I will be traveling to the world for six days with my three sons, ages six, four, and two years. We'll also have other family members meeting up with us. We're staying over at Pop Century, and we're lucky enough to get the free dining deal, which is really the only thing that made the trip possible during a time when cash is low. Most would think I'm crazy for taking three young children, not I, Stephanie, plus two others that will be in our adjoining group. But to make it even more difficult, my six-year-old also has ADHD, and although my three-year-old has not been diagnosed, I'm certain he might have it as well. So my question to you is this. Does Disney offer any sort of accommodations for families with children with ADHD? I know it's not a physical disability of sorts, but for other parents of ADHD children, you can understand the concerns I have. ADHD children have an extremely hard time staying still for any periods of time, as well as listening to directions. For children like my son, who also has ODD with his ADHD. I fear that trying to stand in long lines will be a nightmare. We did try to travel during what Disney labels as a less crowded time and are planning on using the FastPass system as much as we can. But do you know if Disney may offer any other help for families challenged by ADHD? Thanks for all your help. Keep up the great job. Stephanie, this is a great, great question. And I can assure you, you are not alone with having this question. And what I can also tell you is that for many families with family members or especially children that have physical or psychological challenges and limitations, the best place and for some, the only place they can go is Walt Disney World. And I've heard from so many people that they say that no place is more accommodating than Disney. And there's a couple of things you should know ahead of time. First of all, planning is key. And as part of that, it's important that you contact Disney ahead of time because they do sort of handle things very much on a case-by-case basis, whether it's an allergy or whatever it might be. You can talk to them and say, these are the challenges that we're facing. What can you do to help us? I think, two, you're making a great choice by staying on property as opposed to staying off property 
uh, for a child with ADHD so he can get back to the room quickly. And again, Disney will be very, very accommodating in what they do as far as maybe the location of your room or if you prefer to be on the first floor or whatever it might be. Nobody does it better than Disney. Yeah, I completely agree with that, especially, I, I know this is not the ADHD piece, but you had touched on the dining as well. A lot of people have um, food allergies and, and so forth, and Disney's one of the best in any vacation accommodation for those uh, those types of situations. And you talked about things using like the fast pass system. Mm-hmm. What you should also do too when you talk to Disney, and I'm sure they'll mention this to you, is there is something known as a guest assistance card. Right. Uh, it's not this golden fast pass. It's it's used on a very, very limited basis, really only for those who need it, like your son, who may have a tough time standing in a long queue. There will be an alternate way for you and your son to enter the attraction, and you should definitely go to guest relations and talk to them about that as soon as you get there. Right. One of the things that I would like to say about the, the guest assistance card, from, from my understanding, there's no real cut and dry policies on how and when they... Um, give these cards out. So I've heard advice from others that says, if you have a doctor's note that talks about the limitations of of your child or or whoever you're traveling with, take that with you when you visit um, guest relations and the host or hostess there can um, can help determine how best they can help you experience the, the the parks. Absolutely. And we actually did a whole show on going to Walt Disney World with special needs. That was back on show 103. January 25th of last year, we had a number of people on a roundtable who have experience with exactly these type of challenges. I, I highly suggest you go back and uh, and take a look. at. And, and the other thing I was thinking about, too, you talked about accommodations for family with children. I don't know um, about budget and things like that. Uh, I think that you said you were staying at, at Pop Century. I wasn't sure if you were talking about for this trip or another trip. Something else maybe to consider, too, if you can do it is staying maybe on one of the monorail resorts. This way, if you're in the Magic Kingdom, you need to get back fast. You don't need to maybe wait for a bus um, or other kind of transportation. It's a quick way to get back to your room if need be, or even consider maybe renting a car so you don't have to wait for those things as well. Again, Stephanie, great, great question. Again, please go back, check out show number 103, which I think will be very helpful to you. Next question comes from David Williams, who says, Hey, Lou, love the show. Keep up the great work. I recently took my dad down to the world for Star Wars weekends. Awesome father-son trip. It was his first trip, and he had a blast. We stayed at the boardwalk so we could get to the studios early for the Stormtroopers, which, by the way, are hilarious, and had in-room dining for breakfast so we could get going. Great planning, David. Mm -hmm. Once I got home, I started thinking about the DVC and all they had to offer. Do you know, if you're staying at a DVC resort in one of the DVC villas, can you get in-room dining? I wasn't sure because each of these has a kitchen that might, so they might not offer that service. And I realized that not all the resorts offer in-room dining. Just wondering, David Williams. Becky Mankin? Yes, that, that's a great question because I kind of found this out the hard way. Um, that n- Not all of them do offer in-room dining, but many of them do. All of the villa resorts that are connected to a deluxe, like the Boardwalk villas that are connected to the Boardwalk Inn, Beach Club villas connected to the the Beach Club and so forth, they do offer in-room dining in some form. Some may have limited hours or a limited menu, but there is some form of of, um, in-room dining. Um, I've, of course, learned the hard way that Saratoga Springs (laughs) does not and had to jump in the car and, you know, go down to iDrive and go get food. Um, But that is one of the, the resorts that doesn't. So, 
some do, some don't. And I, I know the, um, for just for, for regular guests, I believe all the deluxe resorts offer in-room dining as well as Coronado Springs. I think Coronado is the only, is it, is it the only monarch that offers in-room dining? I believe you're right. Okay. But yeah, David, great, great, great question. Great question. So mm-hmm. next one comes from Martin Pittman from down in Texas. He says, hey, Lou, and possibly Becky. That, that away, Martin. <laughs> Keep her on her toes. You never know. She's oh. make um, this year, my, my, this coming May, my fiance and I will be traveling to Walt Disney World for our honeymoon. And we nice. couldn't be more excited. I'm wanting to make this trip as romantic as possible. And I was wondering, what are some of the most romantic things to do in the world and some others that maybe aren't so obvious. We're planning on staying at the Contemporary, very nice, since it's what the Disney Honeymoon site recommended when we said we wanted a distinctly Disney Honeymoon. Do you think this is a good decision? Thanks for all your advice. I just started listening about a month ago in order to prepare for this trip, and I'm hooked. Keep up the great work, Martin. First and foremost, Martin, congratulations to you and your very lucky fiancé because you're doing the distinctly Disney honeymoon, staying at the Contemporary, you are off to a great, great start. Yeah, I have to say, I've been in trouble for this one before, but hey, if the honeymoon site says it, I'm then I'm good. Because personally, I like the Contemporary. I think it is a romantic location, especially if we're talking a tower room that overlooks the Magic Kingdom for that view. I really, really do think that that, that is romantic in, in my version. But, of course, romance depends on what you think romance is. So it's kind of in the eye of the beholder. Um, there are other wonderful romantic um, uh, resorts that are on in the same area, like the Polynesian. Some people also think that Animal Kingdom is one of the most romantic uh, resorts that are there. But I kind of like that whole Tower Room, Magic Kingdom, watching the fireworks thing. I think, listen, I agree with you because I think everybody has their different taste and different styles. And look, you, you're right on the water there. You've got views of the Magic Kingdom. You're right on the monorail loop. There's something wonderful and charming to me still about the contemporary. And I think, God, I'm going to feel dirty for doing this. I think <laughs> this is where, too, somebody like a vacation planner can help you. Because if you're saying, look, I want to do some of these really romantic, really special things what can you help me come up with? Maybe get somebody to help you out with some of that planning, some of the either in-room things or something special if you're going out for a romantic dinner or other ideas, things you might not think about, like a carriage ride, like a boat ride on Breathless 2 from the Yacht Club Marina. Say hi to Captain Mike for me. Um, there are, there's, Becky, there's endless, endless possibilities of things you can do. Oh, absolutely. And and don't think that, you know, you have to have these big budgets. I mean, obviously, if you do have a budget to pull from, there are some wonderful, exciting things to do. And and you mentioned a really good one, too, that a lot of people don't think about. But um, things have having things delivered as a surprise to your room so that when you walk in, you've got this wonderful um, gift there for your bride. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of neat things you can do. But there's also those out-of-the-way things that you can do for little or no budget, like the the walk on the beach at the Poly together at night. Or I love the stroll around the Animal Kingdom Lodge at night. I think that there's just some wonderful places and, and atmospheres to, to take in that are truly romantic. All right, so let's bring it back to food because it's been way too long. If you had to have that yeah. one ultimate, not Victorian Alberts, romantic ah. meal... Just what just screams romance to, to Becky Mankin? <laughs> oh, man. See, and I got to say, you said Victorian Alberts, but that was, of course, 
the place that my husband and I went for our honeymoon. We had the the whole Victoria Alberts experience. Now we haven't been back <laughs> because it's one of those things. That it's a must do once in a lifetime thing that is truly romantic. Um, but I I am so sorry. I keep going back and I can't help it. And I will apologize. No, I won't. <laughs> but I really love the California Grill. It was that dinner that we had. It was. It, it was that romantic, that romantic six and a half hour business dinner that you and I had. That, yep, that did it for me. <laughs> but of course, there are all kinds of options that are available um, throughout Walt Disney World that offer some level of, of you know, romance and togetherness and different experiences. And I, I think that there's just a lot of opportunity. Yeah, and look, Martin, I, I've, I've said it. I'm sure we all agree. I think that you have picked the the ultimate honeymoon destination because yeah. if you want to really sort of live that fairy tale and give your fiance that fairy tale experience, this is the place to do it. A travel provider can help you plan it. Disney can help you plan it. The Disney florist has a, a wide variety of gifts and experiential things that they can do for you in and out of the parks, in and out of your hotels. The, the options really are limited Here. only by your imagination and your budget. I've got one for you. If budget is no option, how about renting the Grand One for four hours and having dinner served on your own private yacht and then watching Wishes? I love it. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's a research <laughs> trip for you and I. Oh, more romance, buddy. <laughs> right. You and I. People are going to talk. People are going to talk. All right. We have time for one more question, and it comes from Matt Browning from Alabama. His screen name is Mickey Matt. He says, Lou, I booked a short surprise trip to Walt Disney World in September for my wife, five-year-old daughter, and of course myself, and I'm trying to keep the trip a surprise, but that can be challenging as it involves intercepting the mail every day to ensure that Disney does not tip off my wife about the reservations. <laughs> Any suggestions for future trips on how to keep the trip a surprise up until the departure date? Matt, this is a great question that you, I've gotten this from you and so many other listeners as well who want to try and surprise their families and their potentially snooping wife who checks the mail every day <laughs> to see, you know, what the husband might be planning. You're, you're not going to like my answer, Lou. I actually probably will like my answer, but of course it's going to make you feel dirty again. Oh, no. <laughs> because if you use a Disney specialty vacation planner, they're very good, and we are very good at keeping secrets, and all the correspondence comes to us. So you don't have to worry about catching things that, that come in the mail. So that that's my first, of course, suggestion that comes off the top of my head. All right. That would have been my <clears throat> first one as well. But let me give you an alternate one just in case for whatever reason, Becky, that might not be a possibility. I'm, I don't want to take food out of your mouth, but you know, just in case. The other thing you can shoes. do, Matt, and not because I'm a sneaky guy. That's not how I came up with this. But I'm sure in your town or somewhere close to your house, you might want to consider maybe going to like a UPS store and getting a, a rental box for a month or three months, whatever it is. You can have the mail sent there. To, what? Oh, Lou. <laughs> I mean, think about that one for a second. What if what if the wife sees the credit card bill and finds out that there's a, a secret P.O. box? <laughs> listen, Matt, you're honored. Listen, you know, you got to uh, reap what you sow, my friend. It's wait, a wait, wait, wait. Better one. Better one. Ask one of your friends or a family member if they, if you can have this stuff mailed to an Don't make me address. sound like my sneaky old man trying to hide things from my wife. Oh, God. The emails my wife is going to get on Facebook now. I can only imagine. Hey, you started it. I had the right answer at the very beginning and you had to You know what, Matt? Just call Becky. She'll intercept all your mail for you. 
should probably tell you how to have like a secret cell phone on the side too. But anyway, um, any of those solutions I'm sure will work. And uh, Becky, that's going to do it for this installment because I think we're out of time and I've gotten myself into way, way too much trouble. I can't wait to see the email after this one. Yeah. Anyway, um, thank you as always for your time and your, oh, your expertise in in getting me into deeper and deeper hot water and, uh, uh, and, and promising me some meals along the way. Obviously, for uh, <laughs> to contact Becky or any of her agents, it'll help you sneak around over at MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. You can click on the link on the website or visit mousefantravel.com. Thanks, as always. I may or may not see you on the next email <laughs> segment. Well, you know, we are a full-service travel agency there, Lou, so we can help keep your secrets. Not a problem. <laughs> There's your tagline. There you go. <laughs> Thanks very much, Lou. I'm Becky Mankin, here to help keep your secrets. Excellent. <laughs> One of the most common questions I get, and by common I mean almost every day via email or through people I meet in person, is I'm going to Walt Disney World, and I know it's special, I know it's magical, but I'm going with my daughter who just graduated. I'm going with my dad who just overcame an illness. I'm going with somebody who, and I really want to do something to make it special. What do I do? And usually my answer turns to food, but sometimes that's not enough, and What I always tell them is that leave it to the people that know how to create magic to make it even more special for you. And I thought that rather than I try and come up with answers, I wanted you to hear from somebody whose job it is to really help make those special memories and that magic for people. And she is Jean Valenti. She's the manager of dream making and business relations. And that's probably the best the best ID I've ever seen on a business card before, but Jean, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. You know, guests come from all over the world to create a special experience for, for their family and their loved ones, and what's so endearing about it is we now have an opportunity to personalize their gifting experience, and how we do it is we have dream makers that the guests can contact, and our dream makers find out about the guest special occasion, whether it being a welcome, a birthday, a romantic occasion. Maybe it's a holiday. Maybe it's a reuniting of their family. Maybe someone's coming home from Iraq. Whatever the occasion is, our dream makers learn a little bit about what they're experiencing. Then they find out their hot buttons, the things that they really enjoy, and they recommend a gift to be delivered on property along with an endearing card message. Our gifts can be delivered anywhere on property, from the resorts to the dining locations to Walt Disney World excursions, and they create those endearing special moments Um, that really touched the heart. And the thing is, and you sort of alluded to this, is that like everything else, and I tell people this all the time, everything else we see, everything else we touch and experience here in Walt Disney World is about story. And for the people that come here, we all have our own stories as well. The reasons why we're coming here, the reasons why we're coming back or bringing somebody with us. 
it's so it, so it's not like somebody calls you and says, okay, I just need a bouquet of flowers, I need candy sent to my room. Mm-hmm. You really get to know the people and their story. And so do your dream makers, and again, best title ever, do they sort of craft the gift or suggest gifts or things to do for people that say, look, I just don't know what to do for my mom? Absolutely. We have a variety of opportunities for them. Some of our gifts are um, so frequently requested, for example, princess opportunities, pirate opportunities, anniversaries, that we've actually utilized our creative team within our department to come up with the ideal story-based gift offering that um, highlights or showcases that particular recipient with personalization and enhancements. So some of our offerings are already put together, ready to go. You call us, we can get them there within 24 hours. Other opportunities are we do have an opportunity to create a personalized gifting um, moment. So let's just say um, there's something that isn't available that we currently offer. Our dream makers are so um, impassioned to be able to create that moment for the guests that they can actually build uh, a gifting celebration for the guests right on the phone. So whether you you see something you've already uh, liked on the website or you've talked to a dream maker, she's ready to go and she's impassioned to create that moment for you. So give us an idea of some of the things that are available as far as physical material products and gifts that you can give for various occasions. Let's say you're coming to Walt Disney World and you have a child that's just bananas about pirates, all right? You check into the resort, you go to the parks, you have a great time. You come back to the room, you think there's no more magic left in the evening. There's a gift waiting there. It's a pirate hat with jewels and snacks. And there's a card message that reads, See you in the park tomorrow, the captain. All of a sudden, that young pirate mate, he is tickled pink because of the fact he thinks captain is is waiting for him. Maybe it's Captain Hook, but he's ready to go for the next day. We also have a gift offering that um, is has a glass slipper and a tiara sitting on a floral arrangement that looks like a royal pillow. We have that delivered to a carriage ride at Fort Wilderness or Port Orleans, and at the end of the excursion, that gift is presented to um, the couple, and the horseman says, we have found the lady's slipper. Of course, there's a card message attached to every gift. The card message is opened up, and it says, So happy the glass slipper fit when we married five years ago. So those are just two examples of opportunities that guests can experience. There's welcome gifts. There's there's birthday romantic gifts. And now we've just rolled out our in-room celebrations. You know, Mickey's very magical. He can be at many places at one time. And our in-room celebrations are actually set up by Mickey and the gang. So imagine coming into your resort room, and Mickey has just been in there and set up an in-room celebration for your visit, your birthday, romantic experience. Um, All kinds of personalized gifting and um, celebratory items as well as decor are set up. So when you walk in, you are just amazed. You can't believe it. The big cheese was here himself. You're all excited. So we have these offerings as well. Um, We're just rolling out another offering called our Triumph Celebration, where the guest is able to personalize their achievement um, in a variety of ways. Um, Within the next few months, we're going to be rolling out a princess in-room celebration, ranging from the young princesses all the way up through the very mature princesses, (laughs) perhaps my age. So there's a lot. 21. Yeah, 21. Very much so. Yes, absolutely. So there's opportunities um, for everyone who comes here. Right. 
And what you do goes beyond simply delivering a gift uh, because say somebody says, look, I, I'm going to propose to my to my girlfriend here at Walt Disney World and I can't, you know, make sure that the ring gets there and I get on one knee and there's somebody to, you know, I need somebody to videotape or I need somebody to photograph it. Is there, Are you able to help out with those type of experiences, those type of special moments that the guest wants to create other than just sending a gift? Absolutely. Our dream makers are equipped with being able to create a variety of engagement experiences. And within our building, we also have um, photography and other entertainment options that we can enhance that experience even further. So the sky is the limit. And uh, the dreams are incredible. And it's up to the guests to call us so that we can create that experience stress-free so you can participate in that engagement moment and not have to worry about those details. Okay, so I know that this is relatively new, Mm -hmm. correct? But there's got to be, and I'm sure, again, the stories you must see are probably exciting and heart-wrenching and everywhere in between. But what's that one story for you that's just that wow thing or that person that said, the sky is the limit, and this is what I want to do for somebody. I know trying to pick one is probably tough, but one that maybe sticks out in your mind. Um, I think w- the ones that are impactful, I can give you a range of some over-the-top moments um, that people have um, uh, requested. But I think the over-the-top experiences are the are the moments where um, it really impacts the heart of the guest. And um, I remember speaking, um, one that comes to my mind right away, is I remember speaking to a gentleman who said, my, my daughter's 40th birthday is coming up, and I wanted to do something real special for her. And he said, you know, she really loves Disney. Um, You know, I'm up here out of state and uh, she's down there on vacation. I'd really like to do something very special for her. And I recommended um, that we send her the uh, floral arrangement with the glass slipper and the tiara on top. And I said, uh, how about if we write a card message, something along the lines, no matter what your age is, you'll always be my princess. And he was quiet for a moment and he didn't say anything. And I thought, wow, I really went Disney over the top. (laughs) I'm talking to, you know, a real, you know, tough kind of guy. And I thought, maybe, you know. So in any event, after I got off the phone, we, he agreed to it. We sent the gift over to the location. And the very next day, the, um, uh, the recipient, the, the gal who's celebrating her 40th birthday, she called. And she wanted to speak to us because of the fact that she said when her dad uh, had called in, he didn't know what to expect. But when... Um, the gift and the idea was mentioned he got so choked up that he couldn't speak and you know you get to think about you know we sometimes maybe we can outgrow disney because it's set up for kids but you know it's not it's all about touching the heart and making that impact helping each guest tell their story and perhaps sometimes it's ha- it's hard to be able to express your your emotions or your affection for those that you love so much but sometimes these gifting experiences help to create that bridge and that impact that's going to touch your heart and she said you know after I got that gift, I can't tell you how much it meant my dad and I got closer as a result of it. So it doesn't matter if it's something as simple as a um, pixie-dusted rose all the way up to the elaborate. You know, um, it's all about making that impact. And the thing that I like, too, is that you not only help to create those memories for people and create those bonds in, in that case, but you're able to help memorialize it, whether it's in a gift, whether it's in We just saw the Triumph. You just awarded somebody the very first Triumph medal or a plaque or whatever that is, or even if it's a picture or a video Mm -hmm. of that moment in time that they need to capture and want to look back on years later. 
Quick question, logistically speaking, for people that are coming down to Walt Disney World, says, oh, you know what, I want to do something special for somebody. How much time do you need before the actual event to, to get something planned? We can actually prepare something same day, up till about 2 o'clock um, that day. Uh, after 2 o'clock, we can still get it there, but um, uh, there are a few limitations. However, um, ideally, if we're going to be personalizing a, a piece just for the guests to create that um, uh, memorial or that over-the-top moment, uh, we would prefer to have 48 hours just to make sure we've got Mickey and Minnie and everybody ready to go to, to sign and to autograph the pieces that need to be taking place. So um, anywhere between same day and 48 hours, you're, we're good to go. And let's say that I want this, this special event to take place in my room, at a restaurant, in a park, at, you know, at Fort Wilderness, and on a fishing excursion. You can do anything pretty much anywhere on property? We can. Uh, as long as we have uh, an actual person there, to uh, a cast member there to be able to receive that gift, um, we are able to deliver it to that location. A lot of guests like to have uh, gifts delivered right to the front of you know, the castle, Cinderella's uh, castle. And um, we recommend to have that gift delivered inside the dining location, uh, first of all, to keep it safe. And, and the second piece also is to provide for an opportunity for someone to receive it there. So um, there are a variety of options that our dream makers are very well equipped to be able to help achieve that goal no matter where it is. And you say no matter where it is, uh, within reason, obviously, what if somebody is staying off property or in a non-Disney hotel, whether it be the Swan, the Dolphin, if they're right off property, maybe a vacation home or another hotel, are you able? Is the is the florist and the dream makers able to deliver there as well? Absolutely, we can deliver anywhere on Disney property, as well as our good neighbor resorts um, along uh, Buena Vista Drive. There, we also deliver to the Swan and Dolphin. Um, we deliver actually to a ten mile radius off property as well. So uh, there are a lot of opportunities. And if the guest calls in, they provide that zip code location. We can tell them right away um, that we can get it to that location. Great. So for more information to talk to a dream maker, I yes. think that's awesome, um, where should they go or where can they call? They can call 407-WDW-GIFT. That's 407-WDW-GIFT. And we do have a website, which is DisneyFlorist.com. Excellent. Like we said, we all have stories, which brings us here. And it's nice to know that you guys are able to help us tell it in lots of different ways. So, Gene Valenti, manager of dream making... Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. That's going to do it for this week's show. Big thanks go out to my guests, Becky Mankin, owner of MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. They are my recommended and preferred travel provider for all your vacation planning needs. You can find a link to Mouse Fan Travel right on the homepage of WDWRadio.com. Also, thanks go out to Gene Volante from the Disney Event Group. You can find links to the Disney Florist and Disney Event Services in our show notes right at WDWRadio.com. Speaking of which, I announced earlier this week via Twitter and Facebook the launch of an all-new website at wdwradio.com. We've been working on this for a long, long time behind the scenes with my developer who did an amazing, amazing job rebuilding the site from scratch. Lots of new features and improvements. I talk about all of them and try and highlight some of them for you. 
on the latest blog post, which I'll link to in the show notes. Please come by, take a look around, explore, notice some of the changes and additions to the site. One of the biggest is that now you can comment on all of the blog posts as well as the show notes for each episode. So you can click on the episode number in the latest podcast box on the homepage, read the show notes, get links, photos, videos, etc., and you can comment on the show right from there. You don't need to sign up for any kind of account, anything else like that. Comment right on the website. You can also share the link to the show with others using the easy share widget. You can email it to other people, post the link right to the page on your Facebook page or on Twitter. Uh, you can also talk about the show there or anything else and or even start your own discussions over in the forums at www.radio.com. And please also come by and join the fan page over on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash radio and follow me over on Twitter. You can find links to all these right on the homepage. Uh, regarding Facebook, I've talked about this in the past couple of weeks. I'm still trying to work on the dilemma and the issue that I encountered when I reached my Facebook-imposed limit on the number of personal friends that I that I have. So that's why I'm asking you for the, currently go over, join the fan page. Whether you are awaiting a friend request, I am not ignoring you. I promise you, I just cannot add any new friends. I can't fan. I can't become a fan of any other pages. So if you are awaiting a friend request or if you're a friend already, please still go by join the fan page over at facebook.com slash WDW radio. And if you have any suggestions on how I can deal with this inability to add friends or even become a fan of other pages, please feel free to email me at Lou at WDW Let me know. You know, there's an old saying that the longest journey begins with the first step and the launch of the new site is just that. It is the first of many, many steps that I'm taking and things that I've been working on. Please stay tuned for announcements coming very, very soon, not just about new features coming to the site, but other things that I will be revealing and releasing. I've been very busy. I am very tired. But most of all, I am very, very excited for what's ahead in the next few weeks and months. Speaking of what's coming in the next few weeks and months, let's segue over to some events that are coming up. First is the next meet of the month in April is going to be at the Dawa Bar, which is in Africa, just over the bridge in Disney's Animal Kingdom. That's going to be Saturday, April 10th at one o'clock in the afternoon. Tim Foster, my partner on Celebrations Magazine, is going to be joining us as well. Please come by. It's a great opportunity to just come over, say hi, meet other listeners. We're going to have some giveaways and some other fun stuff as well. If you're coming, please, there's no need to RSVP, but we'd love to know that you're going to be coming and joining us. Go post, let us know over on the Facebook event page or in the forums. There's a link right on the side of the new of the homepage of www.radio.com. Or you can even just go to meetofthemonth.com. It'll take you right to the event page. This summer, I am going back and I'm very excited for the second annual PNW. That's Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet. That's August 14th, 2010 at the Linwood Convention Center in Linwood, Washington, for more information, upcoming announcements, ticket sales, guest speaker lineups, and lots more, you can visit pnwmousemeet.com. And so in addition to the Mouse Meet and all the meets of the month, I'm also working on some other special WDW Radio group events later on this year. Definitely stay tuned for that. And of course, 
Don't forget about the WDW Radio Cruise aboard the Disney Dream, February 27th, 2010. You've heard me talk about it. Remember, some categories are selling out, not for our group, but for the entire ship. So if you are thinking about joining us, you definitely should head on over to www.radiocruise.com. There you can get a free, no-obligation quote. Find out more. Also go and check out the new logo and poster and T-shirt design that we just released. Again, that's www.radiocruise.com. Don't forget, I keep saying I want the show to be interactive. And if you want to join me on the show and play listener fact or fiction, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. Put listener fact or fiction in the subject line and include just your name and your phone number because I'm going to randomly choose an email that I receive and call that person at some unspecified time to play fact or fiction. I'll call you, ask you 10 true or false trivia questions about Walt Disney World for a chance to win a number of different prizes depending on how many you get correct. Played the first time a few weeks ago, really enjoyed it, thinking it may be time to call another listener very, very soon. And of course, if you have a question you want answered on the show, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. Or if you want to be heard on the air, call in with a question, a comment, just saying hi from the parks, whatever it might be, you can call the toll-free voicemail line at 888-703-2171. Don't forget also to go and visit Celebrations Magazine over at celebrationspress.com. Issue 10 should be mailing next month. We're also always looking for contributors, whether it be an article, photos, letter to the editor, or even your help in some of the other areas, such as sales and marketing. Please feel free to email me, again, at lou at wdwradio.com. Same thing with the blog. If you have an idea for a post to be a guest blogger on the site, shoot me over an email with an idea that you might have, and maybe you can be a part of the WDW Radio team. Quick thanks go out to everybody who joined me this past Saturday night at WDW Radio Live. I did a live video broadcast and chat. Really had a good time talking with so many of you for a few hours on Saturday night. Thank you again for coming by, spending your evening with me and other listeners. Definitely stay tuned. We will absolutely be doing another WDW Radio Live, either from the home studio or from the parks very, very soon. And finally, as always, my friends, if you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Go over, review the show in iTunes. Come say hi on Facebook or in the forums. And as always, most importantly, keep in mind that life is too short not to follow your dreams. So you should take that first step and always keep moving forward, no matter the challenges, no matter the obstacles. And have a great, great week, everybody. So until next time... See ya. Hey, hello, it's Vicki. We're calling from Disneyland. We're at the D23 first anniversary party. It's pretty nice. It's um, not really crowded at all. And they've got Cinderella's coach and the mice and Cinderella out here. They have stations with all sorts of desserts and coffee. And you can ride all the rides in Fantasyland. It's pretty cool. Um, anyway, having a great time. Thought I'd give you a call. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. It's Chad Haller from the Bronx, New York. Um, I just wanted to thank you again for the uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty podcast. It got me really excited. I went to a special uh, pre-opening screening at the Museum of Modern Art here in New York City. 
of Waking Sleeping Beauty, and um, was followed by a Q&A with Don Hahn and Peter Schneider that you had on your podcast. Um, first of all, I just wanted to include that because of the Tim Burton exhibit at the Museum of Modern Art, they showed around three hours before that they had a screening of the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, which while I've been a big fan of Mr. Toad in Fantasyland, I never actually saw the movie, so I jumped at the chance of seeing it on the big screen. That was fun. Um, afterwards, I saw Wicking Sleeping Beauty, and I must say, for anybody who has even the slightest interest in Disney, would love this film. Um, what struck me is that the way they handled the Disney animation story from 1984 to 1994, they made this film pretty much the way they make Disney films, is wonderful storytelling. And they did a great job telling the story of Walt Disney Animation in this time. And they made it entertaining and funny and emotional. And uh, really some rare stuff, too, that nobody's really seen. Um, I think one of the best things is that the movie opens up with animators sneaking a whole movie into the animation building in the early 80s, and the cameraman was none other than the Disney animator, John Lasseter. Um, fascinating movie. I know it's in limited uh, cities that it's coming to, um, but if anybody has any chance of seeing this film, don't let it slip you by. I know Peter Schneider seemed to have had some trepidation that he thought that it might not last more than a week in the theaters in New York, but don't miss it, okay? Thanks again, Lou. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou and fellow WDW Radio podcast fans. This is John calling from Disney's Hollywood Studios, and i got to tell you, Lou, I'm seeing a lot of green today, although it has nothing to do with anything I had to eat at the studio. Today's St. Patrick's Day, and I'd say, I don't know, 30 to 40% of all guests are wearing green in some fashion, and Disney's managed to work it into some of the shows, too. The gentleman warming us up for the American Isle experience did a little Irish River dance for us, and then the uh, Green Army men in the Pixar parade shouted out to the crowd how happy he was to see so many new recruits in their green outfits. So uh, they managed to have some fun with it. I just saw the little Voyage of the Little Mermaid for the first time, and a tip for anybody, uh, don't sit in the back row all the way to the far end of the stage or the far end of the seating. You will not see Ariel's head for almost the entire show. But other than that, that was a great a great show. Next time I go, I'll have to get a better seat, though. Great day at the studios, as always. And until next time, this is John. Thanks. Lou, this is James Hansen from Utah. I was just calling to report on a fabulous week that I uh, had at Disneyland. I actually was there. I scheduled a business trip in order to be able to attend the D23 one-year anniversary event um, and uh, didn't have very much time, but I got to see um, both Captain EO as well as Mr. Lincoln and uh, was pleased with how well those turned out and uh, then was able to attend the D23 event, which was fantastic, uh, very reminiscent of the D23 Expo in the sense of uh, being able to meet Imagineers and uh, other prominent people in the in the Disney fan community. Um, but it was nice because there was time to sit and talk. Uh, sit is not the right word, but y- you could spend five or ten minutes with with each of the of the people and uh, 
was a was a very very nice experience, very well done. And uh, then, completely by surprise, I uh, was supposed to be flying home on Thursday morning, and thought I'd hit the park for an hour or so before my flight, and entered on the main street to see that they had roped off uh, basically all of Main Street, and I started to inquire only to find that the Sherman Brothers window de- dedication was going to be happening in about a half an hour. So I ran out to my car and grabbed my audio recorder and ran back in um, and was was privy to be there for that very special event. And uh, needless to say, I, it was a fabulous time and uh, wish that everybody could have been there. So... Here's a shout-out to everyone. Hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is Chad from the Bronx. I just wanted to thank you for show number 160 about um, your interview with Don Hahn and Mr. Schneider about um, Waking Sleeping Beauty. This is a bigger deal for me. I've been looking forward to this documentary, and I'm actually going on March 15th. Here. They're having a screening here in New York, a pre-opening screening at the Museum of Modern Art, um, of Waking Sleeping Beauty. And Don Hahn and Peter Schneider are going to be there for a Q&A. I was very much looking forward to this. And your interview gave me a little preview, which is making me actually even more excited. So I wanted to thank you. I'm looking forward to this film, and this uh, helped a lot. Um, In addition, another thing that happens to be exciting about the Museum of Modern Art is that they have a Tim Burton exhibit there, and... Around three hours before the Waking Sleeping Beauty screening, they're going to have a screening of The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, which I've actually never seen, and I figured, why not see it on the big screen? So I'm going to see that first. But uh, again, thank you for your great work, and uh, appreciate it. Thanks. Hi, Lou. This is Paige calling you from the CCA. I'd just like to give a quick shout-out to all my fellow new cast members that are here for the Career Star Program. Uh, all you listeners, you can come visit me in um, Animal Kingdom at Island Mercantile anytime, and I'll be happy to share some magic with you guys. All right, thanks. Love the podcast, and have a good night. Bye.